welcome everyone. We are back with Carolyn's Corner and so excited today to share one of my favorite people who I've known for quite some time, Miss Kara Collicott. And uh, Bree, of course. Hello. And I'd love for you to introduce yourself to everybody and then I'll tell everyone why you're here. Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, I, am, um, I am a VP of Mortgage Lending at Guaranteed Rates. Um, I've been in the business since, for gosh, 11 years, so for, since 2011. Um, I got my start in the industry doing taxes, was a financial advisor for a bit, and then um, found my home in mortgage. And um, I met you, Carolyn, back in 2012. I think it was early, probably around this time in 2012. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, I, you know, I had popped into one of your open houses, and we just instantly clicked. I think. Yeah. My, I think one of the first things I remember about you is that you did team and training and you were a marathon runner. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, yeah. I like working with people that, that I have a lot in common with and mm -hmm. that I like. And I was like, oh, she's the same kind of crazy that I am. Yeah. So. <laughs> and on the, the same token, she's a hustler like I am. She's out there working hard and going to open houses, meeting new agents. Because that's what lenders often have to do when they're working with agents is to meet new people. They go to open houses just like consumers do. So yes. and, and being available on the weekends is important. Definitely. True. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, thank you for the introduction. Um, so as I mentioned, you know, you are here for a reason, and that's twofold. One, we would like to hear what you have to say about what's going on with lending right now. Obviously, there's a lot of changes, everybody. We've been talking about it quite a bit in the podcast with lending. Um, but also, I wanted to talk today about where to invest, because Kara has invested in several different states and different types of properties. So I thought she'd be a really good asset for us to ask some questions and to get some input um, from somebody that's, that's trying a lot of different things. So, so first of all, um, could you just kind of give us a little synopsis about what's going on in lending right now? Yeah. So I, I think 2022 is going to be an interesting year. Um, rates are up and, and it, I think that a lot of the drastic rate increases that happened in January were in anticipation of the Fed raising rates. What I've historically seen when the Fed actually does raise rates is mortgage rates tend to soften a little bit. Mm -hmm. So the anti okay. the market's normally anticipating it ahead of time. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac just announced their conforming loan limits increase uh, back in I think it was early December, and uh, you know it's the highest loan limit increase that I've seen year over year in my career. So there's you know in spite of rates being a little bit higher, there's a lot more lending capability. So there's still a lot of buying power with higher loan limits. Um, we've had a lot of uh, lot of guideline updates. We, Fannie and Freddie actually just removed all of their COVID requirements. So we used to have to show, like, I have a lot of self-employed borrowers. We used mm. to have to show, you know, three months bank statements and profit and loss for income stability. We don't need any of that stuff anymore. Oh, really? okay. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's been a lot of um, expansions on guidelines. So mm. Lending is a lot easier, which I'm. That makes me happy. Um, so you know, although rates are higher, there's there's more of a pool of potential buyers just for you know who's able to get get a loan mm -hmm. compared to even you know this time last year. Okay. So. So do you see any changes um, specifically about the types of loans? Because I know we've talked about it in the podcast several times. Bree over here is going to be buying a house soon. Oh, that's so exciting. we you know are. are frequently talking about her buying power as well and different programs. So 
can you maybe share with us if there's any changes in, you know, what's different types of popular programs such as, um, you know, some people think that, that zero down is a thing. Are you seeing any of that? What are you seeing actually in the marketplace right now? Um, I, I mean, I have seen some of our, you know, like in California, we have 32 different correspondent banks that we can sell to just on the jumbo side. Uh, and then we also have some brokered banks. So some of the brokered banks do offer, like I've seen 5% down on jumbo, like uh, I think up to 1.5 million. Um, so there's, wow. yeah, you know, we have, there's bank statement loans. Mm -hmm. When I used to work for, you know, I worked for Wells Fargo um, with the Wells Fargo Advisors Group for a long time. And I used to think that bank statement loans were like not, didn't actually exist. And now I realize mm -hmm. now that I'm at a different company, they, they do exist. And, mm -hmm. and for the right buyer, mm -hmm. you know, those are opportunities. Right. And yeah. So let's clarify so, what the type of right buyer that would be. So if you don't mind sharing that. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're, you're going to pay for what you get. So, you, you know, the, the rates are going to be a little bit higher, but for a buyer that, you know, let's say they have really complex taxes and they just want to get the house now, they're showing a lot of, you know, they might have a ton of write-offs on their taxes where, with a traditional, you know, conforming or traditional jumbo loan, they might not qualify, but they're showing, you know, lots of deposits in, in the, yeah, there is income. Mm -hmm. They're just really aggressive on their taxes. Okay. So, so that's what I was getting at. Yes. So some, somebody that's not showing a lot in tax, you yes. know, after they do their taxes, yeah. um, but has a lot of income. Yes. So there you go. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so that's and, one, one thing that, you know, for those of us that are self-employed that have corporations, a lot of times that's another avenue, right? Yes, exactly. And, and for those buyers, um, you know, they, especially during, during COVID, you know, they, they might've shown a loss or, mm -hmm. You know, so if if you're averaging out their last couple of years of taxes, it, it's not going to look so good. But their their revenue is doing really really well right now, and so those bank statement loans, even if the rate is maybe one percent higher than what a traditional jumbo or a traditional mm -hmm. Fannie Freddie is, it's worth it. You know, that's a drop in the bucket if, if they're getting into a home and mm -hmm. they can always refinance later once they file their taxes. It, you know, or they can just continue with the rate that they you know with the bank statement loan. It, it's mm -hmm. it's really personal preference because I've got some buyers that. Um, you know, I, since I've worked with wealth management clients for many years, um, there's some that are just like, I don't, you know, the tax write-off and, and, you know, having very low taxable income is way more important than, you know, getting a better rate. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's really a personal preference, but there, you know, when there's, there's not a one-stop shop there, there's all kinds of options out there. And the fact that I've worked at four different companies in my career, um, has really given me a lot of perspective on everything that's out there. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so yeah, there's, there's always opportunities right. if you really want to buy a home. Great. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so this is not a question that I t asked you about in advance, but, um, we were ta just talking about this. So because the market is so challenging right now yes. for buyers, um, could you just maybe list a few of the things that you're seeing that are necessary from the lending side for buyers to be putting in their offers, um, that actually work? So, yep. Uh, yeah. Especially since I just had an accepted offer on a place in Austin, Texas. Oh, recently. congratulations. Well, I decided to pull out uh, because there were issues that, that came up in the home inspection, but, yeah. <laughs> um, but I do know how to get an offer accepted in a very, very competitive market. Um, I, I think waiving the appraisal contingency is, is kind of a, it's a must, mm -hmm. unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, buyers, buyers need to show that they have sufficient cash. If, if they, you know, the, 
loan to value is based on the lower of the purchase price or the appraised value. And if the appraised value comes in lower, you as the buyer are going to have to come in with the difference mm -hmm. um, or have a higher loan amount just depending on the, the maximum loan to value you know, for that lender, for that bank. Um, but, you know, I, I think every, you know, every place that I looked at, whether and whether it was Orange County, like, you know, helping my clients in Orange County or um, in Austin, Texas, everybody waived their appraisal contingency. Right. Um, loan contingency, I actually got my offer accepted um, without waiving my loan contingency, um, but I did do a very aggressive loan contingency. Mm -hmm. So mine was eight days. And what that does is it, it tells the seller um, and the listing agent that you mean business and, and you're gonna have your ducks in a row really quickly because um, they, you know, more time on the market, like the longer on the market, the more other buyers think, well, maybe there's something wrong with the property. Right, yeah. yeah. Right. yeah. So, so was it already underwritten? Uh, so at that time, because I had a lot going on in December and January and I was moving, so I did not have time because I was helping my clients and then was dealing with moving my stuff into storage. So um, my file is currently with underwriting, so I should have a loan commitment. Um, and So could yeah. you clarify what that means? Yes, yes. You. Um, so you can, you, most lenders, as guaranteed rate as well, um, we can do a fully underwritten loan before you even have an accepted offer. So that, that takes a lot of the guesswork out. Um, and it also cuts the time, you know, the mm -hmm. time for escrow in half. Right. Mm -hmm. So you can definitely make like, if you already have an underwriting approval, then all you have to work on is your appraisal, you know, cause the lender, most lenders will still require an appraisal, even if you waive your appraisal mm -hmm. contingencies. Um, and, uh, you know, your final approval conditions. And it, it's pretty quick after that. So you could do a 10 day escrow and it's, you're basically almost as good as a cash buyer at, mm -hmm. at, at that point. So are, what are your average um, escrow time periods that you're seeing, you know, with your files? It, you know, I think with the time of year recently, they've been longer escrows mm -hmm. just because people weren't wanting to move right after the holidays. Um, but, you know, we've been, I mean, because rates are higher, turn times are a lot faster just because there's a lot more capacity with okay. underwriting. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, we could do, you know, eight, 10 day closes, if, mm -hmm. if, especially if it's already underwritten, if, if it's not a complex file. Okay. But it, it's really case by case because if a buyer has, you know, five different businesses, mm -hmm. you know, different corporations and they have 10 different, I have a buyer that has 10 different properties and it's a lot of documentation we have to put together. And, right. you know, so that's a lot of touches that everybody's mm -hmm. gonna have to bank do. Bank statement loans also, you'll you have more documentation with that as well. Uh, with the bank statement loans, there's not as much documentation. It's mm -hmm. more streamlined, um, but you know, it, it really just depends. You know, I can't speak on behalf of each bank, but the mm -hmm. turn times in general are, you know, okay. I mean, if there's no need regardless of the lender to do anything more than a 30 day escrow right okay. now. Yeah. Good. I'm seeing that now to buy a home, you need more than 20% down. So, I mean, you're, you're an agent. You can, it really, at the end of the day, the seller doesn't care how much ultimately you're putting down. But yes, when you're making your offer, like my offer, I wrote it up as 25% down. So, because I had the funds to do it and that gives the yeah. seller and the listing agent peace of mind of knowing okay, she's got the extra money. If something comes comes mm -hmm. up, we're not having to deal with mortgage insurance because if you're putting less than 20% down, sometimes the mortgage insurance companies ha can have additional restrictions that right. can cause snags. Right. Um, so, you know, there's, there's just that breathing room. Now, mm -hmm. both of my, uh, I mean, 
with all of my properties that I've had accepted offers on, I, I've personally never put 20% down because I'd rather, you know, use that money to do other things or buy other properties. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, every offer I've, I've shown at least 20% down. And then at the end of the day, you know, once, once you're in escrow, if you want to change your loan amount, as long as you're still, you know, closing on time, the seller gets paid, whatever they were originally going to get paid, they don't really care how they're getting the money as long as it's not causing any delays or, you know, causing extra drama. So, Mm -hmm. and I, I've, you know, I don't think I've ever with any of my clients seen a seller pull out of escrow Mm -hmm. or, or cancel a deal if they find out that the buyer is, you know, I think the only time that happens is when you change the type of loan. Like if you go from a standard to VA, VA yeah, Yeah. Yeah. loans have additional (laughs) restrictions. Yeah. 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 But percentage down changes don't really affect the seller, but the type of loan potentially could. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, great. Well, that was a lot of information. So yeah, sorry. Caught up. <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> I know we could spend like two hours just yeah, on all this. this. Yeah. But I wanted to make sure that we, you know, access the great knowledge that Kara has on investing. Because when we did a, um, when we first started the podcast, we did a um, uh, survey. And one of the top questions was, you know, where should I invest? Where, where should we put, be putting our money? And so the only person that I know that has really been exploring that a lot was Kara. So she was the first person that I wanted to come in to address that question. So um, could you just tell us a little bit about your real estate investments um, and where they are and what type of investments that you have? Sure. So uh, I've, got, I've got a home in Irvine, California that it, it is still a second home for me. Um, I do long-term Airbnb, so 31 days or more, because then city restrictions don't apply. Uh, I know a lot of cities don't allow short-term rentals anymore. Um, And then I built a home in northwest Austin, Texas, about eight minutes from the Big Apple campus over there um, back in 2017. And I lived there. That was kind of my landing pad when I started exploring the Austin market. And then I ultimately got... I have long-term tenants and I have a property manager um, out there. And then I'm currently looking for a home to live in while I, I've been, if you ever want to know how long it takes to build a high-rise condo, it takes at least three <laughs> years. So I've been building a high-rise, it's a, it's on the 20th floor of a 49-story condo building in downtown Austin. And I started that process September 2019. Well, so the good news yeah. is, so. if it's been three years, it's probably tripled in value. But it's, you're still yes, at the same I, price. I have not had a single mortgage payment, and the values have gone up quite a bit since That's September the only good of 19. News on that. Yes, so you know, I it really as far as you know, I I, I travel a lot. I, I really enjoy travel. I really I've worked in customer service my whole life, so I really enjoy being an Airbnb host. I think it's really fun. Um, the best place to invest is. I think any investor has to take a step back and think about what kind of tenants do I want to have. Um, so, you know, some investors might want to have, um, you know, longer term that's plug and play. That you know, the tenant's not going to go anywhere. Um, you know, baby boomers are getting older and they want, you know, they want single story. They, mm-hmm. you know, so that might be a great, you know, type of tenant for for one investor. Um, Short term rentals might be great for another. In general. Um, you know, what I look for for, for any market is um, something that has culture, something that has a lot of appreciation potential, um, that has a really good job market. And Austin is, I think, the lowest unemployment rate in the country. 
Um, Orange County is really good too because there's a lot of overflow coming from Silicon Valley yes. and from the Bay Area. So, and I, I mean, I'm shocked that I think I personally, I mean, maybe I'm biased because I'm born and raised in Orange County, but uh, I think it's one of the best places in the world. We got way better weather than the Bay Area and our prices are cheaper than mm -hmm. the Bay Area. So I think they're starting to yeah. wake up and realize that too. Yeah. Um, but, you know, school districts are really important. Mm -hmm. So every, every property that I've gone for, aside from the high rise, that's a little bit different animal. Um, I always look for good school districts. So my, my place in Austin's got Round Rock School Districts, which is you know one of the top public school districts in the country. Um, you know, and then I've got University High School Districts for my place in Irvine. Everybody wants their kid to go to Uni High. Yeah. So, yeah. So the, those are important. Um, you know, I, I hope that answers your question. I there's there's other factors too that I look at. Cash flow is always important. Right. Um, you know, so even if it's a break even, like if you're huge negative cash flow, maybe it's not a good investment because mm -hmm. you can't count on appreciation. I know appreciation is way more sexy and it's way more, you know, exciting and fun. Right. And we've gotten used to it. We've, we've gotten used to so it. so spoiled the last yeah. five years. But, you know, I mean, we saw it during the market crash, um, you know, people were stuck with their homes and, right. and that's okay. If you're in a 30 year fixed mm -hmm. and values come down, that's a paper loss. Unless you're actually selling it, it doesn't matter. But mm -hmm. you at least have to have the mortgage payments covering uh, or right. covered by rent, right. yeah, right. by rental income. Right. Now, yeah. have you done any, um, you know, rental analysis, like what areas have rents rising fast or have more room to grow? I'm just curious because that, that seems, you know, here in Orange County, our rental rates have gone up so quickly and they've gone up faster than our actual home appreciation. Yeah, so have you done any analysis on that? Is that some, a factor when you're making a decision? I, I do, I think since I'm such a social butterfly, I, my analysis is just talk, talking to other people and we're on mm -hmm. the street and mm -hmm. just hearing like, okay, th this is, and rents across the board be, mm -hmm. because our Fed has just printed out so much monopoly money over since COVID, mm -hmm. um, rents are going through the roof everywhere. Right. So, which is also why I, uh, I tell all my buyers, I'm like, it, I know you're you know, your mortgage payment might be a little bit higher than what you're paying for rent right now. That's going to change really quick. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I, I think it's just from, I, honestly, from, from just talking to people in the area and, and figuring out, um, I, I mean, I, I do, you know, with my agents in Austin, I'll look at the rental rates and mm -hmm. uh, see. But it's also, in the markets that I look at, it's, it's all increasing value markets where there's a shift and there's a lot right. of like movement. Right. So it, the current rent rates are not necessarily what I'm anticipating. Right. So it's, well, yeah. And that's one of my questions yeah. is, are you looking at changes like in demographics yes. and changes in, yes. in business and? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, you know, I'll look for, and, and that was when I bought in Irvine in, in 2015, I, I knew from talking to leasing agents back when I was a renter and they can't disclose too much legally, but you know, they were saying they were starting to get people working in tech that were coming from mm -hmm. Silicon Valley. And I was like, oh, okay, that's where the market is shifting. I know rents are going to start going through the roof because all those tech guys just make, you know, they make pretty good money and they can afford pretty good rents and right. that kind of thing. In Austin, I, I look for if there's some, I mean, there's every time I fly back, there's something new that's gone up. It's, it's just crazy how mm -hmm. much construction and th there's constantly changes. So, you know, if I know like, that there's 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 like a new amphitheater that's going up. Like I'll look at that. I'll I'll look at if you know just from talking to 
other agents or even like, I got a lot of gossip on the market just from getting my nails done. Um, <laughs> just people talk about their real estate and like totally. all the, all the goings on. And so, you know, I learned, oh, there's like this, you know, grocery store is going to get knocked down and yeah. this new thing is going to get put in yeah. and this, there's going to be this awesome new road that's yeah. going to bring access and this whole, you know, area is going to be transforming yeah. in the next few years. I'm like, that's where I want to own. Right. You know. So it sounds like because the areas that you primarily invested are areas that you have f some familiarity yeah. with because you're able to talk to people. Yes. So would that be something that you'd recommend kind of choosing an area that you have somewhat of a handle on what's going on? Uh, you don't always have to. I mean, if you, I, I think it's a matter of finding somebody that you trust. Trust, you know, finding True. an agent that mm -hmm. really is boots on the ground, that's in the know mm -hmm. like you are. Um, you know, with what's going on in the market. Mm -hmm. So trust is half the battle. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, if it, it just depends. I mean, some investors are, are all about the numbers and they don't mm -hmm. even want to look at the property. I, I like to ha kind of touch and feel and mm -hmm. ha have a better understanding of the market because it's fun for me. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it, I mean, if you can delegate and find somebody that, that really, really knows the market and really knows what you know, what's important to investors, then mm -hmm. that's as good as, as, you know, being in a market that you know. Right. Um, yeah. So, I, yeah, oh, go ahead. I guess I have a question about yeah. money now. Yeah. Like, um, especially in this market, I, that, it, what do you look for? Like, I know back then maybe there were good deals to get into a home. Mm -hmm. um, were you buying homes that maybe had to get fixed up so they were in lower prices or what kind of? qualifies a home to like when you say oh this is a good price for an investment so i i mean back at i mean mar prices have almost doubled in, in austin <laughs> in the last four years which is yeah, insane is in yeah so back then i mean for something that would have been a million bucks in orange county i got for 361 for like right. a 2150 Love square that. foot like yeah. four bedroom two yeah two and a half bath house yeah. on yeah like in a cul-de-sac so um, anything was a great value to yeah. me, but for, I mean, this goes back to, as an investor, you have to take a look at what's important to you. There's like Robert Kiyosaki who wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He talks about the four quadrants of cash flow. Um, so there's appreciation, there is, I think the tax benefits, there's cash flow, and then there's depreciation. Um, so for me, since I'm technically a W-2 wage earner, I, I care about the depreciation. So I, I like newer homes because there's more depreciation. So I did new construction for mine. Plus, it's less, like, I don't have to deal with as much drama of, like, right. having to deal with the maintenance yeah, and all that stuff. And, yeah. yeah. And, you know, the first year, is home, mm -hmm. there's home warranty. I have 10-year foundation warranty, which is great. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so the, those are the things that I personally look for. But any investor really needs before they start investing they need to you know sit down and think about what what objective am i trying to right. achieve um, you know what are my long term goals and what type of tenant am i comfortable mm -hmm. with well i think that's really important because you have you have taken different routes because you have your long term tenants and then you yeah. have your short term rental yeah. and that's a very different situation so you have to be prepared for what a short-term rental is because I, I see a lot of people, especially um, younger people that are more comfortable with the, the sharing economy, um, mm -hmm. that they're interested in that. But there are, you know, there are challenges with it. There's additional work. So it's, you have to be really clear on this is what I want to do if you choose that route. Yes. And when with the short-term rental, there's, there's more wear and tear, there's higher mm -hmm. turnover. Um, my, you know, I did short-term rental for, for a, probably a good year and a half. And 
it was a lot of stress when I was out of state because, uh, you know, I'm having to make sure that cleaners are there and coordinating and sometimes cleaners would drop, you know, like not be, not show up, which was super stressful. Um, so, you know, those are all things to think about. I personally, you know, I was, I was telling you before the podcast, I, I, I since I switched over to, to longer term, or I call it medium term because I'm not doing 12 month leases, but I do 31 days or more. Um, I, you know, I was nervous about, is this going to be as profitable as the short term? And I actually think I make more. Um, there's and w- with all of, you know, I I actually wrote a a piece to my Wells Fargo advisors back in 2018, and I attached a news article and it was talking about how how attractive the flyover states were going to become. And what I had predicted was, I was like, there, everybody's starting to work remote. Now I didn't predict COVID. That that just like <laughs> caused everything to happen. I don't think anybody could have predicted that. Yeah. That's- but I knew, I was like, there's going to be some point where people wake up and realize, gosh, I don't, I can work from wherever. Mm-hmm. So why am I working in a high tax domicile state like California or New York? Um, and I, I was like, there's going to be a huge rush of people going to what's called the flyover state. So like Colorado is a big one. Idaho is, has been huge, huge right? Huge. Texas, there's no state income taxes in Texas. Also no state income taxes in uh, Nevada, Nevada. Yeah. Um, Arizona, very low state income taxes. Um, so, you know, I, I, I predicted that there would be a lot of people either selling their home or, or, you know, maybe renting out their home and moving to these other states. But California still is pretty awesome. <laughs> so there's, there's a lot of people that will want to do medium term, like stay, you know, enjoy the summertime when it's hot and miserable in their, their new states that they're living in. Right. Um, and there's also a lot of corporate relocations. I've actually got a guy who is had fl- he's helping with a tech uh, headhunting startup in Irvine, and he relocated from the UK and needs a plug and play place to stay for mm-hmm. like a month to five weeks mm-hmm. while he figures out his housing. There's a lot of that because there is so much movement, mm-hmm. um, you know. And and a lot of that was really kind of the catalyst was COVID, you know? Yeah. So I think it definitely reshaped the way people thought about their homes and what they could do. Yeah. So it definitely opened people's minds a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, I, I, I knew it was, that trend was going Mm -hmm. to be happening, but it just happened a lot faster with COVID. It exploded basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I think we've really covered a lot. Is there anything else that either one of you want to kind of chime in about? About the investing? That you, anything else you want to share, Kara? When did you start? Ooh, that's good. I, I the investing, s- you mean? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I, I started in 2015, and I I also, as an investor, took a step back and realized, I was like, well, I've moved a lot in my life. Um, I, I'm very good at moving. And I thought, well, okay, I mortgage guideline is you, if it's owner-occupied, you only have to occupy it as your primary residence for 12 months. After that, you can do whatever you want with it. So I thought, okay, well, I'm just I'm going to be a buy and hold investor. So I bought my first home in Irvine. So that was my primary residence, and then, you know, bought another, bought the place that I built in Austin. Um, and I'm probably going to continue my gypsy path and just keep collecting homes. Uh, cool. <laughs> but it's you know, like it's it's made me you know it's been very lucrative over the years and. 
Um, and it's been fun. You know, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's been very enjoyable. Yeah. Well, I think that's a really good point because real estate investing isn't for everyone. And yeah. if you get enjoyment out of it, then it's something that you should explore. Yeah. You know, but if there, if it creates fear mm -hmm. of the unknown, which for a lot of people it does, um, that's probably not a good choice for you. So you do have yeah. to measure what you feel comfortable with, what you enjoy. Uh, although I will say, you know, it, if you have a partner that you can go in right. as a partnership or, you know, just right. two people mm -hmm. and your partner really knows it and that's mm -hmm. their jam and mm -hmm. they just want you as a silent partner to, to go right. in, that's awesome. That's no, an ideal that's situation. That's a great, great point. And I yeah. think that we probably will be seeing more and more of that yeah. coming forward, especially as interest rates rise. Yes. To, because if, as people pool their money, they're going to be able to get more for their money. So yes. I think that that's yeah. a good point. Okay. And then last question for someone, I mean, I'm 25. Mm -hmm. So for what is your advice for starting uh, or like how to get where you are? <laughs> I, I would say, um, and I, I tell all of my first time buyers this, don't, don't be so stressed out about the initial mortgage payment. It, you know, it, it may very well be initially more than what you're paying for rent, but you get the tax benefits that you're not going to get as a renter. Um, and soon enough rents are going to go up way higher like my place used to probably rent for if i if i didn't do the airbnb stuff i, I think when i bought it it would have probably rented for like 25 2600 a month and now it probably would rent for like 33 3400 a month and it's only been you know six and a half years yeah, um the other thing i would say is It, whatever your price point that you're comfortable with, push yourself. Like if you find something that's a little bit higher, but it really like is your jam, splurge and spend the extra money. So, you know, I paid 540 for my place. My price point, I wanted to stay below 500,000 and I love the area where my home is. And I, I, I never want to sell that place. And actually you had given me advice of, you know, if I you know, find a place that, if, you know, if I ever want to move back to it, it's something that I could always feel comfortable moving back to even as I'm older because it's, mm -hmm. it's just such a great, great right. area. It's a great community. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Think about, yeah, the, the long term. Yeah. About where you're going to yeah. be. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I mean, if, if it's, you know, 50, 60,000 over your price mm -hmm. point that you're aiming for, really in the scheme of things, it's it's not that much of a difference in monthly payment. And we're, we're really heading into a big inflationary cycle right now. So in a few years, that extra, you know, 50, 60,000 is not going to seem like that much. So hopefully that helps. It does. Thank yeah. you very much. Great questions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> thank you. All right. Well, thank you so much, Kara, for joining us. Thank you, Bree, for your very insightful questions. And we're so excited to bring another episode of Carolyn's Corner. So see you next time. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs>